Hello, everybody. Welcome to Linux Reality. This is episode number 63. And in this episode, we are going to discuss backup servers, something that people have asked me about from time to time. And I thought it might be a good thing to talk about during this little uh, server series. So that's what we're going to talk about. We've also got a lot of stuff to uh, to do in this episode. Actually, I've got a lot of intro things I want to talk about. I also have a good listener tip, several audio uh, feedback, uh, emails, and all kinds of stuff. So let's see. First of all, though, before we get started, I did want to mention I got a lot of great feedback on the VoIP uh, question I asked last week. A lot of people sent me emails re- recommending Skype. And yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm well aware of Skype. And but I I think I thought I had mentioned I, I didn't want to use Skype just because of some of the licensing things and and some of the you know I guess the, you know because it doesn't really it uses sort of a proprietary protocol and so um, I, I have been testing out Gizmo however oh and also a lot of people suggested Asterisk which I, I know about as well but I don't really want to run another server <laughs> I've got too many as it is but uh, uh, that might be something for down the road but right now I just want something simple to start with just to test it out I mean I haven't done anything with VoIP or SIP stuff or anything so I just want something easy so I decided to go with Gizmo so I've set up a Gizmo account and I've got a Gizmo username it's just Linux Reality and I also purchased for three months it was only like 12 bucks I purchased a call-in number uh, so people can call in with regular SIP phones, of course, you know, people who are Gizmo uh, users or just anybody with a regular phone. So if you have just a regular telephone or, or, or a cell phone or whatever, you can call this number as well. It's another way to leave voicemail, in other words. And that number is 202-552-1525. So that's a pretty easy number to remember, 202-552-1525. And I actually created a, n- a new page on the Linux Reality homepage. So if you go to linuxreality.com slash contact, I've put all the contact information there rather than it used to be on the sidebar. And it was kind of hard to find. So the old, voicemail, vo- the old voicemail number is there. The new voicemail number is there. The gizmo username, which is just Linux Reality. That's easy to remember. Um, I've got a link to the Odeo web-based service and, of course, the email address. So there's lots of ways to contact me. Uh, please do use the gizmo thing if you'd like. That's I mean, I, I think I'm going to keep that. Even if I don't keep the call-in number, which I plan to, I'll still keep the account. So you can always, you know, if you're using Akiga or if, or if you're, you don't have to be a gizmo client or customer, I, th- I don't think, or user, I should say, to, to, to send me a, a voicemail using the, the gizmo SIP service, I think. I think that's the way it works. I don't know. This is all still kind of new to me. But um, anyway, probably a lot of you know a lot more about it than I do. So hopefully that makes sense. So I'll put all that information in linuxreality.com slash contact. Uh, and speaking of audio comments and soliciting audio feedback, there's two things I really want some audio feedback on. Well, one of them has to be audio. The other one does not. The first thing that I'd really like to get audio feedback on is is I'm I'm going to be wrapping up this server series here in in the, maybe one or maybe two more episodes. But what I'd really like to get in some of these episodes is some audio comments from listeners on how they use servers. Uh, so you know if you've got some servers at home or if you do things some cool things with your Linux machines, you know server related or anything like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be something I've talked about in this series. It could be something completely different. Maybe you're running an FTP server. That's one thing I'm not going to cover. You know, if you want to talk about that and make it, you know, kind of a short and sweet, it doesn't need to be detailed. Maybe something just saying, this is what I do. This is how I've got it set up. It works really well. And you know, that kind of thing, you know, anywhere between one to three or four minutes, something like that. And I'd love to get a lot of these and, and 
put them in, in in an episode or a couple episodes or whatever. So if you have any thoughts on that, if you'd like to just kind of send in something, just kind of telling us what you use Linux for uh, in terms of server stuff, that would be very cool. And again, you can use any of these voicemail numbers that I've got set up or using that Gizmo account. Um, feel free to just leave me a voicemail and that would be awesome. The other thing is that I'd really like to do is with this Gizmo service, I'd really like to try to do a few interviews I'm not quite sure how, how good I'll be at interviews, but I'd like to try it out. And, you know, I've been thinking about interviews for quite some time, and I've mentioned it, I mean, even a year ago I had talked about doing some interviews, and I've been putting a lot of thought into it. And I don't really want to do the interviews that most people do. I mean, most other Linux shows or other tech shows, you know, they'll interview like the big names, you know, in whatever field, you know, the, the podcast is about. And those are great. I mean, I love listening to those interviews. But what I'd really like to do is I'd like to focus on on users, uh, maybe some maybe some developers, but I'd love to hear from people on how they use Linux, either in the workplace or at home, or it's sort of like the server thing, but it can be more than that. I, I mean, here's a good example. Uh, excuse me. In, in several weeks ago, you know, I was talking about the Linux in education, Linux in schools and stuff, and I got a lot of really great feedback on that subject, including a lot of emails from people that are, you know, system administrators for school districts and stuff. And so it's people like that I'd love to talk to. I'd love to kind of get, I'd love to spend, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be a super long interview. And uh, just to kind of talk about how they got Linux into their workplace or in their school or in their home or, you know, that kind of thing. I'd love to, I just think it'd be fun to hear from real people on how they use Linux. I think it'd be very enlightening maybe to people who don't use Linux that much, who are listening to this podcast to say, wow, that's so cool that so-and-so was able to do all of that with free and open source software. So that's kind of the way I'm coming at it. And that's not to say that, you know, I won't, you know, I, I don't want to do any interviews with, you know, project managers or big name people or whatever. I mean, if that works out, that'd be great. But right now, at least to start with, I think it'd be kind of cool to, to talk about some of these subjects and it can be related to anything we've talked about in the podcast or not. So Anyway, I guess my point is if you have ideas, if you're one of those people and you'd like to chat maybe in an interview about it, send me an email or voicemail or whatever. Or if you know of somebody that might be interested in speaking with me uh, at some point, it's going to be hard for me to schedule this. So I'm not quite sure when that's going to work out. It's going to have to be either in the evening or maybe the weekends. I don't know. But we can email back and forth about that. So let me know what you think. You know, send me an email, send me a voicemail about that, you know, interviews, uh, uh, interview ideas. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So with that, let's get to the main subject, backup servers. Okay, backup servers. I, I, I've got a few things I want to talk about. I don't want to make this too detailed because... I mean, this is something that is going to be so unique based on everybody's circumstance. I mean, everybody has different backup needs. So there's no, like with most things, there's no one size fits all here. Uh, but I wanted to talk about a few concepts and a few commands and a few different ways to do things. And I've got a ton of great links that I'll put in the show notes for you to check out some more information on. But the first two, the first two items I'm going to mention are two things that I have not used. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and mention them up front. Uh, the first one is uh, S-Backup. And this is a new GUI tool. I think it was developed by Ubuntu, and I think, I think it was a Google Summer of Code project from a couple of years ago. And the idea is, and I think this comes with Ubuntu now, I've got Ubuntu on my wife's laptop, and I've played with it a little bit, and I think I saw it in the menus there somewhere. Uh, but it's a GUI tool to, to you know, do backups, where you can kind of click on directories, and you can set a, you know, 
a target. Uh, you know, you you know, you set the source play source directory and the target, whether it's CD or DVD or another drive or whatever, and you click it, and you can probably schedule it and click OK. And it's it's a very nice GUI based backup solution. And I've heard some good things about it. A couple of people have sent me emails with questions about it that I haven't been able to answer because I haven't used it. And I, I think there's been some issues with permissions not setting correctly or like it sets everything as root permission. I don't know. But uh, but S backup is something to keep an eye on. It's a very nice, um, really easy to use GUI based backup solution. On our Macintosh, we have there's some program that there's like, you know, dot Mac service has like a backup thing that, you know, it's like a again, a graphical interface to, to set backups. And I think this is something sort of similar to that. Um, and then on the server side, there's an application called, <laughs> it rhymes with Dracula, it's called Bacula. Uh, and Bacula, for, I've played with it a little bit. It's very cool. Uh, it's very complex. I mean, it, it's a sort of a distributed um, uh, solution for, for scheduling backups among multiple machines where you have one machine that's kind of like, uh, in control of the, of the, of the daemons on other machines and it can do a bunch of things and it's, and it, and it saves backups and information in a database. And I mean, it's a major, it's a major piece of software, but it's supposed to be really cool. And the little bit I've played with it, I was, I mean, it's very neat and it's something that I may explore on my own. Um, but I haven't yet. So, uh, but those are two, two things to look at. If either of your, you know, if you want to go either of those two ways, those are kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum. But the thing I want, the things I want to talk about are sort of the, sort of the old fashioned way of doing backups, just because I think it's a good idea to at least have some understanding of this, uh, even if you don't use these tools. And the two tools I'm thinking of are tar and rsync. Um, these are sort of classic command line tools for archiving and backing up and things like that. And, and, you know, these are two commands I use all the time and I'm very comfortable with them and I really like them a lot. And I just, I think they're fantastic. So I wanted to talk about them. So tar is a, is an old command. It's, it's a, um, it used to be sort of a tape archiving tool and it was a way to sort of back up directories onto a tape drive. And of course, nowadays, not many people use tape drives. So, uh, frequently, tar is used to back up directories into a file or to back up directories onto another disk or something like that. Uh, and it's a really easy command to use. Think of this as sort of the equivalent of, of zip. You know, in Windows, you know, you create a zip file. Same idea. You have a single file that's left over. A tarball is what it's called. And within that tarball or within that zip file, so to speak, there's, you know, a, it can be a bunch of directories. It can be an entire home directory. It can be anything. I mean, it can be, it can be a single file. It can be a collection of files and directories. It can be anything you want, but you sort of creating one single archive file that can then be easily transported to other machines or to, to a CD or DVD or whatever. Uh, and, and so the basic commands to, to use tar is tar space dash Z C V F. Uh, Z is this switch to use the gzip compression. Uh, C means to make a compressed file, in other words, or a or an archive uh, file, as opposed to extracting or uncompressing. Uh, v is uh, verbose, meaning spit out the con, you know, the the you know the output as it's making it, so you can see what's going on. And then F means file name. 
And so you would do tar space dash Z C V F space uh, backup dot tar dot G Z. In other words, the name of of the of the tarball that's going to be created space and then your target, whatever it is you want to back up or your source, I should say. So it can be a file. It can be a directory. It can be a, a partition. You know, if you want to back up your home, let's say you want to back up your entire home directory. You will, you could do tar space dash Z C V F uh, home backup dot tar dot G Z space home forward slash meaning the directory and everything in it. Uh, it's a very simple way to create a, a tarball and it has everything in it. And I think I'm pretty sure tar retains uh, permissions and ownership and uh, file stamps and all that good stuff. And it's, it's simple to do. So equally simple would be, let's say you want to have a weekly tarball created of your documents directory in your home folder, let's say, well, you could create a very simple cron job and it can be just a one liner. And, you know, you would, you would set the cron command, you know, you, you, you set it to on, you know, let's say at midnight on every seventh day, you would run that tar command that I just mentioned. And you can have a one line entry in, in your cron tab file. And again, go back, you know, listen to the cron episode if you want more detail on that. And it will simply create that tarball every single week. Very easy. Now, of course, one disadvantage to that is it's going to continually overwrite your previous tarballs. So you could tweak, tweak your, your uh, cron command to include within the tarball name the current date. There's ways to do that. And I'll put some links, uh, or I'll put maybe, maybe what I'll do for this episode is I'll do a little extra notes. I've done that for a few episodes, a written piece of paper, just a text file with this. And I'll put some of these commands in there. That's what I'll do. So, But you can create a tarball and you put the date within the name of the tarball. And it's a way to create sort of unique file names. You know, so one week it will say, you know, home backup dash 2007-05-21. You know, so in other words, it's got the date, .tar .gz. And then the next week it will be, the date will change. So that's a very easy way to create, you know, multiple backups that, that don't get overwritten. And there are ways with TAR to create incremental backups if you want, where it only backs up whatever's been changed. But, you know, really TAR is kind of a, a, an easy way to create just a single snapshot file, uh, a zip file, so to speak, of a directory or a bunch of files or whatever you want. There's also a project called Serebi, and it uses something called DAR, D-A-R. And I haven't really used these too much, and it's sort of, a, it's sort of an advanced sort of, sort of like tar, but it's got some additional commands and additional switches and, 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 but you know, tar is sort of the good old fashioned Unix command that's available in every Unix uh, type of operating system that I've used. And it's very easy to use. The other command I wanted to talk about is rsync. And that's what I want to spend most of my time talking about. Um, rsync, rsync is very cool. rsync is a way and it's not the only way to do this, but it's a, it's a common way to make incremental backups. It's a very easy way. You can, you know, you can use it to make a mirror image of something. So let's say you have one directory and you want to make a full archive backup, sort of an exact copy somewhere else. And you want to set it so it copies everything as is, you know, permissions, timestamps, you know, owner and group name and all that kind of stuff. And you want it such that you can rerun that later on and it will only copy the differences, whatever has changed. Rsync does that. Rsync is very efficient and it's, uh, I like it a lot. It works really well. A couple of common switches. 
well, let me back up before I give you the switches. Just a basic usage is as follows. It's very easy. rsync space source space destination. (laughs) So you could, let's say you have, let's say you want to back up your, you want to rsync your home directory onto another drive that's mounted at, you know, slash MNT slash backup. All right, let's say that's the mount point for the backup, where it's going to, the backup's going to go. So you would do rsync home slash space MNT slash backup slash. Uh, so you're basically, you know, you're pointing the source, you know, you're, you're doing rsync space and then the source directory space and then the destination directory. Now, the first switch you're going to want to add is dash A. Dash A means archive, which basically means make a full backup or any differentials. If it's if it's if you if you're rerunning it a second time, it will automatically just back up the differences. Uh, another switch that you commonly use is dash is V, and again you can combine these switches just like with tar. So you could do rsync dash AV. AV means archive. V means verbose. Give you again give you all the output, so you can see the written output. Another common switch is R. So you would you could have dash AVR, and the R means recursive. So it recurses through all the directories and subdirectories located within your source. And then Z is another common um, switch, and that is to compress, to make it smaller. It sort of brings in sort of like the Z, like using, I think it uses the same gzip libraries that tar does when you, da- when you add the Z switch to tar. Uh, now, one thing with rsync is that you've got to be careful with the trailing slash on the source directory. Uh, the trailing slash on the destination is not really as important. It doesn't really make much difference. But the forward slash, it does make a big difference. And here's an example. Let's say you're going to run a command rsync, okay, space, dash A. So you're making an archive. Source, space, backup. What that will do is it will copy the source directory, including the directory itself, and put it in the backup. So you're going to, at the end, at the end of the backup, you're going to have a directory, you know, you've got your backup directory, and within that is a subdirectory called source, and within that is everything in the source directory. Compare that to the following. If you do rsync space dash A space source with a forward slash space backup. Then what you're left with after it's run is in the backup directory, you're, you'll, you'll have the contents of the source directory, but not the source directory itself. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, that is a, that's, so that's one important little command there is, or switch with rsync is the dash a. Now, uh, another, now a flag, a flag is sort of like an option. It's usually with two dashes. A sw- I call a switch is the one with the dash A as a switch, and a, and a flag is with two dashes. And one flag is the delete flag. And what the delete flag does is it will, if you delete a file in the source directory that's in the backup directory, let's say you've already run an rsync once, so you've got a complete mirror image, and then you go into your source directory and you, and you remove a file and you delete it. Well, if you have the dash delete flag in the rsync command, then the next time you run rsync, it will also delete in the in the backup. Okay, so it'll it'll continue to make it mirror images. Versus, if you don't add the delete flag, then the deleted file will remain in the backup. It will just the backup will con, will continue to collect everything, and uh, it won't delete 
any file from the destination that's not in the source directory. If, so uh, another now one thing to you know with with rsync is just like with tar, it's great to use cron with this. This is how powerful some of these Unix commands can be. Let's say every day at four o'clock in the morning you want to do a complete archive directory copy. You know, you want to do a complete rsync with the delete flag from your source to your backup. So you would do in cron, you would have, you know, star, which is the minutes, four, which is the hour, and then star day, star month, and then star, what is it, the day of the month or something. rsync, the command rsync, space dash A, space, and then two dashes, and then the delete flag space source forward slash space backup forward slash and every day at four o'clock in the morning it's going to do a complete archive rsync and it will delete files in the destination that are not in the source and it will just back it up every single day and it works great it's really cool uh, and you can of course combine this and you can create a simple little bash script uh, to do multiple rsyncs and you can sort of you know maybe you can do some tarballs for some backups and you can do an rsync for other backups uh, you can also add ssh into the mix here and this is pretty cool too because with ssh you can do this you can now start doing rsync remotely and this is what i do with my backups i have a, rem a remote server and i do rsync backups uh, using ssh from my machine to my server my offsite server and what you do, it's very, there's more to it, and I'll put some of this in the detailed show notes, but you use the dash E SSH switch uh, with rsync. So you would have rsync dash A dash E SSH, and then you have, then you enter in your SSH username and the, and the remote server, you know, at, and then the remote server name or IP address. And if you do the, um, uh, exchanging of key pairs. In other words, if you, let's say on your home machine, you create a, you know, an SSH key pair and you put your public SSH key up on your remote server. So you can then SSH in without using uh, passwords. If you've got that set up in advance, then with the rsync, with the dash E SSH command in rsync, you can do the backups, the rsync over SSH. And so it does it remotely. It'll back up your home directory onto your remote server somewhere. Not that you'd necessarily want to do that. That's probably not the safest thing since you've got all your, you know, you, if you back up your home directory onto a remote server somewhere, that includes your private SSH key and your private GPG key. And you might not want to do that. But the point being is that you can make, you can very easily do um, rsync backups over the network using SSH to a remote server using dash uh, E. And then one last little uh, nifty little switch, this is not a switch, this is another flag, like the delete flag with the two dashes in front, is the exclude flag. And there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, um, a, uh, there's another one that goes with that, it's the exclude-from flag. And what this does is if you include this in your rsync command, if you just use dash-exclude, dash, then you can put a pattern, like for example, quote, asterisk, which is a wild card, dot txt close quote and what you're saying is okay rsync when you do the rsync exclude anything that ends with dot txt so exclude all my text files or you could exclude a directory like you could say dash dash exclude quote um temp forward slash close quote that'll exclude the temp directory when you do the rsync or you could do dash dash exclude dash from and then a file name 
and in that file name, you can create all your excludes. So it makes it much easier. Rather than let's say you want to exclude a bunch of different things, you want to exclude .txt files, you want to exclude .html files, you want to exclude the temp directory, you want to exclude a bunch of other things. Well, rather than your rsync command having a bunch of you know exclude flags just over and over, it would make it a very long line. You could just do one one dash dash exclude dash from, and then you can have a file name called my excludes, and in that file you can list all your stuff you want to exclude. So it just references an outside file to get the excluded uh, patterns or directories or files. Uh, so it's very, I mean, rsync is just so cool. I mean, rsync works really well and it's very easy to make into a script and there's a zillion rsync backup scripts out there on the internet. If I mean, seriously, if you just Google rsync backup or rsync SSH backup, you'll find a million different, different ones from people. Uh, there's a really good one that I have used in the past. It's called rsync incremental snapshot backups, and it's a really nifty script and it's very well commented. And it's a way, what he has done is he's created a script that uses rsync and it makes incremental backups and different over different snapshots. So you could have one section that will do daily rsync backups, another one that does weekly, and another one that does monthly. And it will, and it, it, the, the script also rotates your backups. So you always have like, say the last four backups in a row or whatever. Uh, so you have the four last four daily backups of this one directory you have the last four weekly backups of this other directory, and so on. And so that's a very well-known um, script. And again, I'll put links to that. There's a bunch of good ones that I'll put links. I'll put a bunch of links in the show notes this week because there's really cool stuff. And again, the rsync works really well. And I definitely recommend people get comfortable with using both tar and rsync because they are just so common and they're very easy to use. Once you get a handle on it, I mean, you can just quickly drop into the command line if you just want to make a quick backup of one directory to another directory or something like that, you, or you may want to make a quick tarball out of something. It's very easy to do. Uh, one last backup point here is backing up MySQL databases. This is sort of changing topics a little bit, but there is a script out there. I had mentioned when I was talking about MySQL at one point using MySQL dump as a way to dump out the contents of your backup. Well, there's a great script out there called Auto MySQL Backup. And it is a script that also does incremental backups for your um, MySQL directory. I mean, for your MySQL databases. So if you're running a server that's got a few different databases, uh, if you've got this script installed and you use, you can call it with a cron job. So you can just, you can have the, the script on your server. Obviously you've got to change the settings in the script to match your directories or I mean your, your uh, MySQL database names and passwords and all that good stuff. But once you do that, then in a cron job, you can just run this script once a day or however, however often you need to run it. And it will do all the, all the MySQL dumps and back them up into a particular directory. And it works really well. So just a nifty little tip there. Cool stuff. And I hope you wouldn't, you know, hope you get to play around with tar and rsync. And I hope that, you know, this helps a little bit. You know, as I said, I didn't want to, you know, uh, try to come up with the perfect solution for everybody because everybody's got a little bit different needs. But I think if you investigate uh, tar and rsync, your backup needs, I mean, everything should be satisfied there. And if you want to use the S backup, the GUI tool, go for that. And if you need something a little bit more heavy duty, you always got Bacula. So with that, 
we've got a listener tip to get to this week. Let's check it out now. Hey, Chess, this is Bob from Goshen, Ohio. This is my first audio feedback slash listener tip, and it's about using my iPod to listen to podcasts such as Linux Reality and, more importantly, to organize them on my iPod. And a listener tip today is about using GTK Pod with my iPod to organize all the tracks that I use on my iPod, and in particular, a problem that I had experienced after first getting my iPod last year. Shortly after I got the iPod and covered podcasting, uh, and Linux Reality in particular, uh, I started subscribing to different podcasts through iTunes, and unfortunately I had to use my work computer with Windows on it to get the iPod set up. But then, as time went on, I found that I could synchronize other tracks and other podcasts on my home computer in which I have Ubuntu Linux and just drag and drop the the different mp3 files onto a directory to import them into the to the iPod. The problem that I ran into however was that depending on the method that I got the podcasts into the iPod they would wind up in different places and it was completely disorganized when I would go into a podcast menu item on the iPod to listen to playback like I normally do in, in my car on a trip, I was frustrated. I couldn't find things that I knew I'd put on there. I did find them eventually by artist, and your name appeared in the artist list so I could find all the Linux Reality episodes there, but I wanted them all in one place under podcast and to have my iPod organized. So I found that with GTK Pod it made the process much much easier so with your iPod connected to your USB port or FireWire port running Linux and GTK Pod you'd be looking at the uh, program with the list of uh, particular tracks that you want to edit in this case I've got the genre tab on the left hand side of the screen selected podcast as the genre and albums in in the tab on the right half of of the screen and in that album tab I see all of the different podcasts that I have downloaded and stored on my iPod one of which is Linux Reality and on the lower half of the window all of the episodes appear well in some of these episodes they were not necessarily categorized as podcasts originally but I found what you could do by selecting them as a group you could make changes all at once instead of one track at a time which makes things very convenient by finding the area where you, you have all of the tracks in, in one view for example by artist looking for Chess Griffin and then all of the Chess Griffin tracks are listed I could edit those all at once so I selected the entire list and once that list of tracks is selected in GTK Pod I go to the edit menu and the first item is edit track details and then I go down to select selected tracks so edit edit track details selected tracks and when you click on that a new window will pop up with the details and on the general tab you have the opportunity to edit all of that metadata and so here's where I made sure that the genre for all of the tracks of Linux Reality said podcast and it and I just selected that box which is the fourth or fifth 
item down on the list and the important key item here is there's a checkbox in the lower left hand portion of this window that was unchecked and there's a yellow triangle with an exclamation point next to that and the words next to that say change all tracks simultaneously by checking this box and accepting any changes that you made for example entering podcast in the genre field of the metadata here all of the tracks that were selected will be changed to have podcast as a genre this makes organizing both podcasts and music on your iPod very easy and you can organize things readily this way which I had a very frustrating time and couldn't do with iTunes that's my listener tip I hope it helps other people out there just keep up the good work bye bye Hey, Chess, this is Randy. Um, I know, I don't know, the shuttles and stuff like that, the, the little, I got a little creative laugh, Movo, that has no uh, visual on it. For the podcast, uh, I'm listening to episode 46 right now, the new theme song. Could you just throw the uh, episode name right there at the very beginning, because if I got like five or six different pods on there, you know, with Twitch, you know, or, you know, the Cranky Geeks, or, you know, links. anyway, makes it easier to flip through, and if you got the, if there's a signature, or, you know, an audio right there at the very beginning with audio signature, that's, anyway, um, this is Randy driving down the road, and, uh, anyway, just, uh, to you, bye. Thanks, Randy. Um, I think I uh, have started doing that again. I think there was a few episodes there when I didn't do that. But now I try to say the episode uh, number right up front, you know, after the theme song, kind of, you know, after the first few seconds of the theme song. So hopefully that will work out for you. Here is a listener feedback on Gtalk. Hi, Chess. I just moved from Windows to Linux, and I wonder if there's anything similar to what uh, Gtalk is doing. In Gtalk, you can... uh, send a voice message to your friend and it's not really attachment but it's just uh, something that your friend can listen uh, because I think it sits on Google servers and then it's streamed to your friend's computer. Let me know. Thanks and bye-bye. Okay, well I have never used Google Talk but I found a website on on Google uh, that talks about the various clients that work with Google Talk and they mentioned Game, and which is now, of course, called Pigeon, and Copete, which is a KDE application. Uh, basically, it says that the client must support the basically the Jabber protocol. Uh, so I would think that any instant messenger client that supports Jabber will work with Gtalk. Now, I know that Gtalk also has the voice component, sort of the talking component, and I don't know, I, I don't recall exactly if Game or Copete have that. Uh, so... But hopefully, I, I will put a link to this page uh, on the Google website that lists the, the clients, the Linux clients that work with Google Talk, and uh, hopefully there's one on there that will work for you. So, uh, But thank you for, the, for that audio comment. Now, I've got some, uh, some email, uh, lots of email, actually, but I will read a few of them here. First one is from Peter. Uh, Peter says, Hi, Chess. Greetings from New Zealand, and a big thank you for the work you put into making this podcast. Um, I'm a newbie to Linux, a longtime Windows user, reluctantly so in recent years, as that operating system seemed to bloat with every new release and update, and even then frequently hung. 
about three months ago, I heard about Ubuntu on a local radio show here and decided to try it on an old Dell box that was running Windows 98. I did a dual boot install of, of Ubuntu 6.10, choosing that distribution because of slow processor and limited memory on the Dell box. Shortly after the install, I stumbled across your podcast and I've now listened to about three-fourths of them. I really appreciate your clear explanations and the way you carefully explain the geek slash techno terms for us newbies. Uh, I'm enjoying playing with Ubuntu, recently upgraded to Feisty Phone on the old box, and want to migrate my main machine to Linux in the future. The only thing stopping me is a problem repartitioning the hard drive. And he was goes on to talk about this dynamic disk management. I think he's been posting in the forums about this as well. It sounds like that's a real issue. As far as I understand it, that's some sort of logical volume management thing in Windows. Um, but he uh, goes on to say that he has a topic suggestion, and he wanted to he, let's say, I'd love to hear an, ex, an introductory explanation about IP addresses and ports. In your episodes, you often mention IP addresses like 192.168.1-50, and it seems to me that there's a pattern here that experienced users just know, that are, but that are a bit mysterious to us newbies. Uh, and he also asks about ports. So anyway, well, let's see. He goes on to say, anyway, thanks again for what you were doing. I made a small donation a few weeks ago and hope to do so again in the future. I figure that the podcasts are way more valuable than the many magazines we all pay for. Uh, best wishes, Peter. Thanks, Peter. And I had mentioned to him by email uh, that I suggested he go back and listen to some, to some of the old Security Now episodes because in that podcast, uh, Steve Gibson and Leo Laporte go through a lot of really good explanations about all of that IP addresses and ports and all that basic networking stuff. And they were really fantastic episodes. So definitely do that. I'm not an expert on, on all of that. I mean, I think I, I mean, I kind of understand the way it all works, but I'm probably not the right person to really go into the te technical details of it. So I do recommend listening to some of those old episodes of security. Now they're really, really helpful. Here's an email from Bob. Bob says, hi, Chess. I listened to about five or six episodes today on a long road trip, and I really enjoyed home service parts one through five, one after the other. It is really cool how you've planned these in sequence. While I've used Linux on and off since way back in 96, I still learn new stuff with every episode you produce. Keep up the great work you're doing with Linux Reality. Your listeners really appreciate you, especially this one. Since I live in the Cincinnati area, I will be sure to attend the Ohio Linux Fest, and I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person. I missed last year, but attended in 2005, and it was awesome. Now I have to download your recent episode for the ride back. <laughs> cool. Thank you, Bob. And, yep, the Ohio Linux Fest is on my calendar. Um, I haven't yet reserved my spot, but I'm going to do that. In fact, I'll probably do that after I record this because I've been meaning to, to get on that and get my hotel reservation, all that good stuff. So I'm really looking forward to being there at the Ohio Linux Fest, and I look forward to meeting a ton of people there. Here is an email from Corey. Corey says, I also want to tell you what a fabulous job you're doing on the podcast. You've played a couple of audio comments of mine. Both were related to SSH, mounting, and tunneling. And as I look over at Amarok, it looks like I'll get to hear another one on my way back on Monday. Keep it up, man. You're doing a fabulous job. And let your wife know that we appreciate the time that she's sacrificing without you, too. I know this kind of side work comes at a cost, and it, too, is appreciated. Thanks, Corey. I will definitely pass that along to my wife. Yeah, she is a real sport, as are my kids. And uh, they just kind of roll their eyes and tease me about doing my podcast thing, but they're really supportive, and I love them for it. Here's an email from Henry. Henry says, Hi, Chess. My, my name is Henry from the Netherlands, and I listen to your podcast since the last few days. I'm using Linux since 1997. I've worked for over 15 years in IT, and I find it so much fun to listen to your podcast. Every now and then I hear something new to me, but you have a pleasant voice and you are so excited about Linux, just like me. Over the years, I've been to expensive, very expensive trainings for certification, you name it. Usually boring except for the lunch. I wish my trainers were so excited and full of passion as you are about your hobby. 
I don't have a question for you, but I do have a suggestion to you, and that is to do a topic about virtualization of hardware, uh, like VirtualBox, vServer, or OpenVZ. These are great ways for people to get even more out of their expensive hardware. Have a nice day to you and all your listeners around the world. From Henry. Uh, thank you so much, Henry. That's a very nice email. And virtualization is something I've touched on a few times, but I've actually been playing with VirtualBox lately, and it is very cool. I haven't done much with vServer. I'm not sure if you mean VMware server or OpenVZ. Uh, I did have a VPS, I think, that used OpenVZ at one point, but uh, those are great suggestions, and that's something I should probably expand on again. So, But thank you so much for the email, Henry. And the last email for this week is from Jordy. Jordy says, I'm very happy I discovered your podcast as they are really helpful with lots of interesting Linux stuff to learn and all very well explained. I think you got it just right in content and the length of the podcast. I like listening for longer to other podcasters that have news and commentaries, but for a tutorial podcast like yours, I think 30 minutes is just about right, about as much as the brain can take. I'm still catching up with the episodes and I have a few downloaded in the to-do folder. I have started listening from the end. That is episode 61 and 62 only. So far, my favorite has been episode 61 about setting up an email server with IMAP. Because you mentioned that it is possible to use GPG with the web server and Gmail, I also wanted to let you know that there's actually a plugin for Firefox to use GPG with Gmail slash Yahoo slash Hotmail via the web. And he gives me a link. It's freeenigma.com. Uh, they are still in beta, but since I've been using them for the last month, I've not had problems at all. Regards and thank you for the podcast from Jordy. Jordy, thanks so much for the email, and thank you for that recommendation for Free Enigma. I had no idea about that. That's very cool, very handy. I love Firefox extensions, and uh, that's good to know. I, I, I knew that there was ways. I mean, you can obviously build in GPG with uh, Thunderbird and Enigmail, and with Thunderbird, of course, you can set up it to download Gmail directly uh, from you know using Gmail's pop service if you want, even if you weren't running your own uh, email server. Uh, so I knew you could do that with with that tool, but it's nice to know about this for the web-based interface. That is very cool, very cool stuff. So thanks very much, Jordy, and thanks to everybody else who sent me all the email this past week. It's greatly appreciated, and I think for right now, it's time to wrap it up. Okay, well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this little episode on TAR and, and R-Sync and backup solutions. There's many more solutions out there, obviously. This doesn't cover everything under the sun, but to me, it sort of covers the basics. I mean, uh, on the one end, you've got Bacula, pretty complicated uh, server enterprise-type product. And on the other end, you've got this SBAS backup, this really nice, easy-to-use GUI interface. And in the middle, you have the good old-fashioned Unix commands of TAR and R-Sync, which are the ones that I personally use for all my backups, and they've been working great for years. So uh, anyway, we've got um, a lot of good, you know, some, some more good things coming up with the home server stuff. I really would love to hear your input from people who've been using different servers. Please send me an audio comment, audio feedback on that. Go to linuxreality.com slash contact for all the relevant contact information. We've got uh, that new number, 202-552-1525. You can call that with any phone. SIP phone, cell phone, home phone, whatever, and leave a voicemail. And if you use Gizmo, you can type in my Gizmo username, which is Linux Reality, and send me a voicemail that way. Or you can use the audio service, and of course, you can also record an audio comment and just shoot it my way at linuxreality at gmail.com. So 
Uh, thanks again, everybody. Hope you all have a great week and a great weekend. We're going to keep on trucking, do one or two more server episodes, and then we're going to get back to some other cool things. So stay tuned. Have fun, everyone. I'll see you later. This has been Episode 63 of Linux Reality. Bye-bye. <laughs>